this is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here on Conscious Business Zone with my friend Bill Douglas. Although he has William there, are, are we going to be formal today? <laughs> well, my uh, my new second edition of the Gospel of Science is William Douglas, so I oh. thought I'd start using William. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> but no, but call me Bill, please. <laughs> well, you know, I, formal names were only used when you were in big trouble, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the book has got a big message, so I thought I should use the, Ooh, my big name. Yeah. Oh, okay. So do we want to start there and then go to World Tai Chi and Qigong Day? We can play it however you want to, Kathy. I'll get into all that stuff. Yeah. Well, well, I just want people to get an idea about you because you are on a mission to really make the world a different place and to empower humans to, to use their um, capacity to create heaven on earth any way they can. And so you go through um, the physical, the mental, the spiritual. So so I just want, you are a great resource as far as I can see for my, for my audience to know more about how to connect with themselves and have a joyful life. We weren't meant to suffer. Mm-hmm. We forgot this is a game and uh, <laughs> and we can play full out instead of play small and play victim. So, um, and right now with the energies and the way that the world has been, <clears throat> it's, people that are watching the news and that are um, being um, uh, influenced by the news, whether or not they're watching it, but they're influenced by it heavily and are in a fear state, mm-hmm. don't know what you know. So so maybe we could start there. If you wouldn't mind, we could talk a little bit about your journey to this realization that this was through Qigong and Tai Chi, really through Tai Chi, Mm -hmm. that you could come to and bring others to this state of mastery. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I don't know your story either. Yeah, well, I, uh, one thing I want to—I always, I always kind of flinch at the idea of mastery because I've, I've been at this for forty-five years and I still haven't mastered it yet. So. <laughs> but well, I, I want to give people some hope. Yeah. Um, well, no, it's a journey. If, if you know, by yeah. the time you master, you croak. So, um, but, <laughs> rotate next one. But, um, <laughs> but, but I mean, this whole game was set up that you forget your past lives, you forget Mm -hmm. all the mastery you had in the last lifetime, and then it's the rediscovering. So so I just wondered how you, how you, I mean, you grew up probably just going to regular school and. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Western Kansas, uh, in in Ellis, Kansas, and it was a population of 2000. And uh, our claim to fame was that Walter P. Walter P. Chrysler's boyhood home was there. So they had a house and that was the museum. And, uh, you know, one movie theater, uh, a a drugstore, stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, this journey that I've been on has just been trying to figure out how to get through my life, just like everybody else is, you know, trying to do the same thing. And uh, uh, and that journey just led to extraordinary places. And what happened was uh, 
I, I actually, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know whether you want to get into this or not, but I had a, I had an extraordinary consciousness experience when I was really young, uh, like about six, seven years old. You want to hear about that? Yeah. So, so basically that's what everyone's waking up right now. They're going to, if they haven't had one, or they haven't been in the hospital and be resuscitated, something's mm-hmm. gonna happen that's gonna shift their consciousness to where you are or on the journey to that. So Yeah, yeah, on the journey. Yeah. And and I, I you know, and I agree with you. I think that everybody's having extraordinary consciousness experiences all the time. And so, and science is starting to study that. And that's what this whole journey has brought me to is is coming to terms with the fact that science validates so many of these concepts that you've just been talking about, Kathy. And, uh, and, and that's, that's so exciting right now. Uh, but, uh, uh, for me, it started at a really early age, uh, and I didn't really know what was going on at the time, but I had this extraordinary experience and, and, and I don't want to paint it as necessarily like a certain religions experience or anything like that, because I don't, when you have, you know, larger consciousness experiences, they're really undefined. It's not, you know, they're not, uh, linear or anything like that but i think that the imagery that we get when we have them is it's just iconic imagery that resonates with us so for example with myself when i was about six or seven years old i was in sunday school and bible school in the lutheran church in ellis kansas and uh, anyway one night i had this extraordinary consciousness experience and it was right at a time when we were going through a lot because my father was a world war ii veteran uh, he had post-traumatic stress disorder. He was in frontline combat for like three years. And so there was a lot of turmoil going on with us and everything. And then one night I just had this extraordinary experience. And, uh, 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 you know, like I said, I was a little kid, like maybe six, seven, something like that. And uh, I, I woke up, I was in bed with my mom and my dog. <laughs> we, had, we, we owned a small motel and we just slept in the office so that if somebody would you know, come in at night, you know, they'd hear the bell and get up out of bed and go check them in. And, uh, and so anyway, I slept with my mom and my dog and uh, I woke up and there was this angel and again, I'm, you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, if you're agnostic or atheist or whatever, don't don't reject this immediately because I don't know what it was. All I know was that it appeared to me a six or seven year old Sunday school Bible school student, Lutheran Bible school student, as an angel because that would be what you know what would capture my attention and something to resonate with. And so anyway, uh, so it picked me up. And it flew me. Now, uh, before I get into this more, realize extraordinary consciousness experiences happen all the time. You know, when we just go, when we have synchronicities, we'll think of somebody uh, and then the phone will ring and it'll be them. These kind of things happen to all this all the time. But this was just one that I remember. And I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, uh, so anyway, this angel, it was trying to beckon me out of the bed and I didn't want to go. I just like shrunk back in between my mom and my dog. And then all of a sudden, I just felt myself being pulled out of the bed and I was trying to stop it. And I so I was reaching out and trying to grab my mom and my dog and my hand just went my hands just went right through them. So I realized now as an adult, I was having an out of body experience. I didn't have the awareness to turn around and look and see that my physical body was still laying there asleep. But I'm sure it would have been if I would have turned around and looked at it. So anyway, this angel, it picks me up and all of a sudden we're just lifting, floating up in the air, up in the sky above our small town. And I'd never seen an aerial view of anything. You know, I'd never been in an airplane. 
And anyway, so we're flying across town and it was winter. It was clear winter night, big moon. And uh, but I remember I wasn't cold. I felt very comfortable. And so we're flying across town and, and it lands me uh, in this little brick alleyway right in between our Sunday school and the church. And uh, uh, and then what it did was it started teaching me how to how to breathe. It was giving me breathing lessons. And then it would show me that whenever I would exhale, if I would just let go of everything, let go of everything that I am, you know, everything that I think, you know, just everything. And I can't tell you how it taught me this, but it was teaching me on some level. And I realized that if I just when I sighed, if I just let go of everything, then I would start to lift up off the bricks. And I started getting more and more adept at this. And, and by the time this lesson was over, I was flying up towards the moon and coming back down in between these buildings, doing these big loop-de-loops. And it was just an exquisite experience. And, uh, and then I remember there was kind of like this look of satisfaction on the face of this nebulous kind of angelic uh, uh, creature. And, uh, and then it was over. And the next thing I remembered was, it was the next morning I woke up and I was so excited because I was going to run to school and I was going to teach all the kids how to fly. And so so I grabbed my lunch sack and I'm running down the alley and I'm taking this big breath and jumping up in the air. And then I come splat down in a mud puddle. I couldn't couldn't fly. Right. Uh, but what I realized about 20 years later was that it wasn't about physical flying. It was about consciousness uh, expansion and, and liberation and all that kind of stuff. And what happened was about 20 years later, I was going through a lot of stress and, uh, uh, you know, I was still trying to work out, you know, the PTSD stuff that I went through with my father, you know, and we all have these things, you know, we all have these things in our like cellular or energetic structure from the past. And, uh, uh and so these tools, uh, I started looking for a way to, uh, start to let that stuff go. Uh, so that I could move on with my life. I had, you know, young kids and, and I couldn't, I didn't want to respond to them the same way that I had been responded to by my father, you know, with PTSD. Well, he was great human being. Don't, don't get me wrong, but he had, you know, when you go through a war, you, you never recover. And uh, uh, not, and that doesn't mean that you can't still have a beautiful life or anything like that. But anyway, uh, so I was looking for answers and I ended up uh, uh, finding a psychologist and I just picked him out of the phone book and I was in Southern California. So there was a thick, <laughs> thick stack of psychologists. And I just happened to pick this one guy. And I remember his first name was Duke. And uh, anyway, what I didn't realize at the time <coughs> was that he his day job was at the VA working with Vietnam veterans with post. Uh, they didn't call it PTSD back then, I don't think, but it was the same thing. And so anyway, I. Uh, I lucked out by picking him because he knew what I was dealing with. He figured out what I was dealing with and he really helped me through it. And at one point he said, Bill, I said, I think you should consider mind, mind body practices. And uh, so then I, I found a Tai Chi meditation class <laughs> and I told my wife, I said, you want to go do this with me? And she said, yeah, I'll do it because uh, she, she's from Hong Kong. And so her mom had done Tai Chi with her when she was a little, little girl. And so we both took it together. She didn't stick with it. You know, she just did it when she was a little girl. Uh, and so we both took it together. And that f that first class, it was uh, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know about any of this kind of stuff. It was all strange to me because I it was in Southern California. We just moved there from Western Kansas uh, when my wife graduated from college. And so I'd never been exposed to these things, although I had. But I didn't realize it uh, at the time. And uh, and so anyway, the teacher, what the teacher did in that class was she taught us uh, Qigong and Qigong means breathing exercise. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, you know, just like the angel was teaching me the breathing exercise, right? And so, and then over the years, I realized that all the major meditative practices that are validated by massive amounts of science, uh, meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga, and mindfulness, uh, breath is at the core of all these things. You know, feeling your breath, feeling your center, and letting go of thinking about it, but just feeling it. And so, anyway, when I had I had this really beautiful experience that first night in class. Uh, because I didn't know what to expect. And so my mind was wide open. And, uh, and, 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 and so then I just, you know, I, I dropped out, you know, I didn't stick with it. It's hard to stick with new life habits, but I just knew that I felt so much better that night after I did it. And it kept bringing me back to it. And then eventually that reminded me of that experience that I'd had when I was a really young kid. And so I started doing this stuff and it was really helping me, uh, you know, mentally and emotionally. And uh, but I never thought of it as like a physical health uh, practice uh, for me. It was, you know, it was mental and emotional. And then it became kind of spiritual, uh, not in a not in a dogmatic religious way, although it did validate a lot of the things that I had been exposed to in Sunday school and Bible school. It made a lot of sense of them because like the idea of forgiveness, uh, you know, I always was kind of raised. And I think most people who grew up in the church. We look at forgiveness as like some, it's like a favor that we're doing for that person uh, that, you know, wronged us or hurt us or whatever. But as I was practicing mind body practices, I started to realize, no, no, it's not about that at all. It's giving ourselves a break because I think Mark Twain said that uh, when you hate somebody, he said, when you hate people, he said, half of them don't know and the other half don't care. <laughs> so it's only you that is being in the turmoil of this, this hatred and this grudge. And uh, so uh, the mind body stuff really kind of illuminated a lot of what I was, you know, being exposed to uh, as a, as a Sunday school and Bible school kid. And because uh, I, you know, I did that when I was a little kid. And uh, but anyway, you know, it just led me to solutions, you know, that, that you know, helped help me start to let go of the distortion uh, from my past and also that I was involved in so that I could find this more central, solid place. And the breath is at the core of it. So the angel taught me that. And then my Tai Chi meditation teacher taught me that 20 years later. And uh, so, yeah, so I started doing this stuff and then I started trying to get all my relatives to do it. And they got to the point where, they're, you know, it was like, you know, when there was like a Thanksgiving or something, you know, and they'd see me come in, they'd be like, oh, no, here, here we go again, because <laughs> I was trying to push this stuff. And uh, but anyway, then what happened was uh, uh, my mom had to, uh, she had to get an angioplasty. <clears throat> and it was just a routine procedure. And uh, she asked us all to come back uh, for the angioplasty. And what was weird about that was I found out later that she had actually had a heart surgery that was very, you know, dangerous, like a year before, but she didn't tell anybody and she didn't ask any of us to come back. But for this routine angioplasty, she called all of us and asked us if we'd be willing to come. And, uh, you know, she didn't try to scare us or anything. She just said, you know, it'd be nice if you came. And uh, so I wasn't going to go. And then my wife overheard the conversation and she and she was already booking the tickets. You know, she wasn't going to, you know, I was, we were busy. We had two kids, you know, and I wasn't going to go. But my wife, she just made it happen. She just knew it had to happen. And uh, uh, and so anyway, so we went. And uh, so we're all sitting there. My dad and my siblings, you know, we're all sitting there in the waiting room, you know, just, you know, just have, you know, kind of chatting, having fun. You know, we knew that we were all going to go out for lunch as soon as the doctor told us the procedure was over. You know, and we hadn't seen each other for a while. And I had a new we had a new son, a year old. And uh, and so anyway, uh, the night before uh, her angioplasty, I went and saw her in her room. And I'm so glad I did because I almost didn't because I was just going to see her after it was over the next day. 
because uh, we just gotten in. And anyway, uh, I had a, a copy of the Tao Te Ching, uh, the, the Chinese book of Taoist poetry. And, da and Taoism is like the philosophy of Tai Chi and Qigong. It's the poetic philosophy of Tai Chi and Qigong, life, life philosophy. And uh, so anyway, I gave it to her, I, I, you know, because she was bored in her hospital room. And I said, you know, you can have a look at this if you want to, uh, you know, tonight. And then I'll get it back from you tomorrow. And so anyway, I gave it to her. So then the next morning, we're all in the waiting room. And uh, the doctor comes in, takes down his mask. And he said, uh, she didn't make it. Oh, and man, uh, what was really striking about that was there was this wave of sorrow that went around the room. And then it finished with me. I was sitting on the arm of the chair, the sofa that my dad was sitting on. And me and my dad, we didn't have a real touchy-feely kind of relationship. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have tremendous respect and love for the guy, uh, but I had to learn all this uh, over yeah. time. But at the time, we we didn't have a real close relationship in that way. And, but anyway, that wave came around the room. It was like person after person was collapsing, just weeping. And then it came around to me and my dad, and I just grabbed him, you know. And I just like started kissing his bald, bald head, you know, and I just said, you know, it's OK, you know, because uh, he said uh, uh, he he broke down and he said, oh, God, he said, Jesus, take care of her. And uh, and I said, it's OK. It's, you know, she's with, with Jesus, you know, and uh, uh, and so anyway, then after that happened, my sister, one of my sisters said, did you feel that? And I said, what? You know? And she said, mom's spirit, she said, mom's spirit came through all of us. And it was, and once she said that, you know, I remembered how that went around the room like that. And then to me and my dad, and then I just felt this incredible need to comfort him. And I think it was her, her, instead, you know, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh... So anyway, uh, so then, uh, years later, I, uh, I started, uh, I started teaching Tai Chi and meditation and because uh, uh, I never planned to teach it. I, it was just for my own personal healing. And I started. Uh, oh, yeah. OK, so what happened uh, right after she passed away? My sisters went into her room to collect her things and they found the copy of the Tao Te Ching that I'd given her. And right in the front of it was a note. And she she had had a premonition that she wasn't going to survive that. And so she'd written a note and she'd written notes to each one of us. And uh, the one that she wrote to me was that I wish I could go back a few years and study the arts of relaxation that Junior was trying to teach me. That's what they called me. And uh, man, that just when I saw that note, it just like welded in my brain. And a short, short, you know, long story short, what this eventually led to was I wrote the complete me, me and my wife wrote the complete idiot's guide to Tai Chi and Qigong. And it was published in four different languages around the planet. And we had this idea that we put in the back of that book called World Tai Chi Day. And, and it wasn't a reality at that point, but we just knew that it was going to be. And it ended up, we ended up creating this mass Tai Chi and Qigong event here in Kansas City at the Nelson Atkins Art Museum. 200 people all doing Tai Chi in front of this gorgeous museum. And CNN picked it up. And then this thing just started spread. I mean, it was a lot of work. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it just started spreading like a wildfire because it doesn't matter how much work we put into it. If it wasn't going to, if it wasn't supposed to happen, it wouldn't have happened. All that work wouldn't happen, but it just spread. It was like people all over the planet were realized that it was time to get this stuff out on a larger scale to the public because the public needed it. And so people in like Egypt and Iran and Hong Kong and, you know, 
Africa, different African countries, South America, Brazil. They were these people were creating these huge events with like thousands of people in some cases and getting national and international media coverage. And we realized as we went back and looked at all the media coverage that we'd gotten, because we, what we did was we taught the teachers how to get media coverage. And then we also taught them how to, uh, uh, we gave them all the medical research, the scientific research on mind body, because if people knew about it, they'd be doing this stuff. And so we taught them how to spread that to the public. And we went back and looked at the media that we got and we reached over a billion potential media viewers and readers from staging these events all over the planet. And it was all organic grassroots. It wasn't like, it's not like I direct what they do in Iran or China or, yeah. or Brazil or whatever. These people just had this feeling that, yeah, this, we need to do this, you know? And, you know, and a lot of them, it was like, yeah, this looks like fun. But for other people, it was like, yeah, this could, you know, this could change the planet, you know? And then we got, uh, later uh, when we can get into this, but we got some information from a Princeton University born in conscious uh, 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 science project uh, that found out that we had changed global consciousness. That's what I want to show next. That's what I was going to ask if it's time for here. I'm uploading. A, um, well, while you're doing that, one thing I wanted to mention is, uh, you know, when I throw this out, you know, the, this huge extraordinary consciousness experience, it wasn't like that. Uh, when these things happen, when these things come into our mind, they're like little things and they seem insignificant and the world can make us feel like it is insignificant. And then we forget that we ever had the experience. So what I what happened with me was I started writing my experiences down because I had a big experience. I went through a period where I lost my mother, father and son in about a year and a half. And then I had an extraordinary consciousness experience. And, and Alan Watts, uh, if anybody yes. doesn't know Alan Watts, go on YouTube, listen to him. But he had extraordinary consciousness experiences. And he said that it's real common for them to happen after your life hits rock bottom, <clears throat> because then you're wide open. Now, you don't have to hit rock bottom to get wide open. You can use meditation to get wide open. So you don't have to. We don't have to make wait until that tragedy. But I just want to tell everybody these little experiences that we're having. You, you, you may not think that it's important, but it, but, it, but it may be. It may be huge and important. So just write it down, write it down and keep coming back to it and write about it more. Because a lot of times these experiences are like exploding files uh, on your computer. So a disk can't handle you know, back when we had disks, a disk couldn't handle the amount of information that was the program. It could only uh, put something in there that would unfold it on your hard drive. And that's these kind of experiences. That's what they are. It's like we get these kind of things implanted that are way bigger than we can conceive of. Just like a six or seven year old kid had no idea what that angel was teaching when he taught a breathing exercise. But then 20 years later, a Tai Chi and meditation teacher said, oh, this is what it is, Bill. You see what I mean? Yes, and so yeah. You see the yeah. Well, I, I, um, I had a spiritually transformative experience after two weeks of working on myself and I was just surrendered. I mean, at that point, it's like, what else can, I mean, because when you're looking at all the um, programming that you want, that you realize that the, <laughs> that the, the movie that you're a star in and the other, the other players in it, if one leaves and you bring in the same person or almost the same person in for the next role. And it's like, no, 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 I don't want that. But, <laughs> but until you choose something different, you, you yeah. have to be something different. Yeah. It's like, it was well, like when people get in abusive relationships and then keep 
having one after the other, one after the other. Yeah. And I think that's the power of mind body practices is like you were alluding to earlier, is that uh, the practice of just letting go. And in the Tao Te Ching, there's a great line. It says, when I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. Right. Right. Well, uh, that's it. The other thing I wanted to um, bring up that I mentioned to you before we came on is the power of focus that this um, opportunity for doing a body, mind, spirit practice, whether it's Qigong or Tai Chi or yoga, what whatever practice that you choose, but a practice that allows you to really focus where, where um, what happens is the focus expands. Uh, Kelvin Chin teaches meditation. He used to be a TM guy. And mm-hmm. he says it, in his class, he talks about picture a, a bucket of golf balls inside a bucket, like you'd get at the, at the range, <clears throat> inside a, sta- a football stadium. And when you are in your normal state, you are that bucket. That's your consciousness, all those golf balls that's there. But when you're in this expanded state through meditation or breath or breath and movement, you are the stadium. Yeah. And when you're the stadium, your perspective, your judgments, your um, loves and likes and all of those things are flexible. They, they, you see them from both sides. You don't, you don't have to protect yourself. There's not as anywhere near as much fear. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a whole different experience, right? Yes, yes. And and the science is validating. You know everything that you just said. Uh, uh, what what I've found is, is it's 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 when we go into alpha state, and that's what and that's what meditation, mindfulness, qigong, tai chi, and yoga are all proven to be able to do is to take the brain into alpha state. And what alpha state is is it's that drift of consciousness where you're not thinking in words and you're not in control, but where you where you just kind of drift into a reverie. My grandson used to do it all the time, and his uh, my son and son, daughter-in-law and his sister. Uh, they they would uh, say that he was sleeping with his eyes open when he was really little. He'd do that, you know, and he just, you know, you'd see his eyes and you'd know that he was just, it was like he was everywhere and yet nowhere at the same time, you know, and, and he looked, you know, quite pleasant, you know, and, uh, and that's what happens when we go into office. It's that state right before we go to sleep, you know, because beta brain waves is the busy brain waves. Uh, and then uh, uh, theta is the, uh, 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 first sleep state and Delta is the deep sleep, really deep sleep state. But, but when we go from the busy brainwave state down to that first sleep state, uh, we pass through alpha state. And so alpha state is that state where you're not asleep yet, but you're just out of control and you're just drifting. And, uh, what the, what the, what these ancient meditative techniques, time test meditative techniques, the big five, uh, what they're all designed to do is to help us get into that that state where we let go of control. The Chinese call it song. The Chinese masters call it song or sung, where you let go mentally, emotionally, and physically. You just let go. And then the brain goes into that alpha state. And when we go into that alpha state, what happens is that's when we merge uh, with our connection to everything. Right. And, uh, uh, and so in uh, the University of Virginia, uh, I was just talking to one of the professors there, and uh, they uh, started bringing people in and teaching them how to do mind-body meditative practices uh, because she started doing it in her uh, uh, with her patients. 
And then her patients started reporting having extraordinary consciousness experiences. So then they did a formal study and they taught a whole bunch of people how to do mind body. And they found that over 50% of those people as they practiced the mind body practices uh, started reporting extraordinary consciousness experiences. So that could be anything from, uh, uh, you know, prescience to, uh, uh, you know, remote uh, viewing, you know, uh, or uh, uh, precognition, you know, like when you think of somebody and then the phone rings and it's them and those kind of things. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's really exciting to see the science. Well, I, I think also what you find is that it, once you realize that you can get into that state, you actually use that time right before you go to sleep in a whole different way. Yeah. So that's what Einstein did is he would take little mini naps. He'd go to a calculation, he'd get stuck, and then mm -hmm. he'd just, okay, I'm just going to release it take a little mini nap and he'd wake up with the answer because when you can tap into the big field of information rather than our little field, I mean, it's almost like a, a radio dial and we're an antenna mm -hmm. and until we get to that, we get to our space where we have access to the other, the other field of, that knows everything. everything yeah, te Tesla did that. Tesla did that too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He would, yep. he would get his answers. Well, in fact, he, what he claimed, what Tesla claimed uh, was that he would put a, pa a pad and a paper, uh, a pen and a pad next to his bed. And, uh, and then when he would go to, and then when he'd go to sleep and then when he'd wake up in the morning, there would be answers in his writing uh, <laughs> to what it was that he was, you know, seeking the answers for. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it, you know, as you look at this stuff in the science and also the experience of it, uh, because when we let go, it's like we connect with the larger existence. And uh, one of the things that was really uh, uh, beautiful was uh, uh, Dr. Roger Nelson. He, he was the director of research at the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Laboratory for 20 years. And uh, he ended up uh, uh, founding a, a research project that grew out of that called the Global Consciousness Project, which is what found that World Tai Chi Day had changed global consciousness during that 24 hour period. And uh, uh, he said that the most exciting and enjoyable part of his 20 years of collecting data on how consciousness affects global consciousness uh, is that they found that when there were events uh, that were they, they categorized them as healing connection, compassion events. So World Tai Chi and Qigong Day, World Yoga Day, World Peace Meditation Day, all these things fell into that category and, and many more. And what they found was that when we're in those states, uh, uh, you know, when, when there's a, a global event and it doesn't have, you know, like World Tai Chi Day at the time when they measured it, I think we only had maybe tens of thousands of people. And in a population of, you know, 7 billion people, that's that's a little tiny. Yeah back of people, but we changed the whole global consciousness. And he said that what he loved about the data was that it showed that these connection, healing, compassion events more powerfully affected global consciousness than times of tragedy and despair. And uh, so that really bodes well for the future of humanity. And so what happens is we connect with the larger whole. And then, like you say, we start to see things from different angles. And then the other thing that happens is what science found is that when we practice these meditative states on a regular basis, the empathy and compassion parts of the brain get physically larger. They get physically larger. So it's not like we just get nicer. The parts of our brain that are, uh, that are uh, responsible for empathy and compassion, they get physically larger. And the fear and stress parts of the brain 
get physically smaller. Dang. And so a lot of the stress stuff that we're dealing with by going into that state of coherence on a daily basis, Harvard recommend says that you'll get the, you'll get the, the, the huge benefits of meditation. If you do a 30 minute a day meditation practice. Now I, I wasn't a good practitioner, but I did have periods in my life where I was really motivated, where I became a very good practice practitioner, just like you said that you had experiences after, you know, you had, you had had like a, a several weeks, two or three weeks of, of uh, practice. And so, so you, so if you pick this stuff up and make it a life habit, you'll have periods where you drift away from it and then you'll come back to it because you feel better when you're, when you're doing it. And then you'll have periods where you get pretty dedicated for a while. And then you'll have, you know, other experiences that'll make you want to come back and keep doing it. So it'll, it'll always be part of your life once you do it. I mean, I drift away. I, you know, I've, I've had during the lockdowns and the pandemic, uh, I went through a horrible period in my personal life. All of a sudden, all my Tai Chi and meditation classes, just the doors just slammed. There was nothing. Wow. And, you know, and, and for all we knew, that was the way it was going to be for the rest of our lives. And so, you know, <clears throat> what we built our whole life was just over just like that. And so I went through a, 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 kind of a dark period at that time because I did what a lot of people did. I sat at home. I, I wasn't having classes. I sat at home and I was watching the news, okay. just watching the news all day long. And I got to a point where it just fried me. And so what I did was I just walked away from it. I just walked away from it. And I had been collecting all this mind body science for uh, many years, decades. And so when I walked away from the media, uh, you know, I just spent that time meditating and getting centered and sitting in nature. And then that brought me back to this book, which is the new second edition of the gospel of science. And I just poured myself into it. And then reading this science that was validating what I was going through after I turned off the corporate media, uh, you know, and I'm not a fan of ignorance. I, I'm at the point now where I do tune in, but YouTube has great independent journalists, right. award-winning award journalists. And I actually get into this in the new second edition of the Gospel of Science of how media is shifting and, you know, these kind of realities and how we can and how people are finding a flow. They're always looking for truth. You know, people are always looking for truth. And I have a lot of faith in humanity. All the science gives me great faith in humanity. It's just that the media, government, you know, the institutional structures are falling apart. And what's happening, one of the things that's happening is we're losing our false idols. So, you know, this news person or that politician or that CEO of that big company that we used to, you know, kind of think was like the coolest person on the universe, you know, that was really smart because they were smart about one thing. We thought they were smart about everything. And, and, and so all these false idols are starting to fall apart. And, uh, and the good thing about that is it's bringing, it's bringing us back to our center and our center is in here and it's our connection with other human beings, you know, just on a day-to-day -day basis. And I always tell people in my classes, if I meditate before I go into a store, it's like, I'll have a human experience with the person on the other side of the counter. Whereas I might've just walked in there and just kind of looked at them like a cash register. I had to hand my money to. But if I take that moment to get centered before I go in there and then like I had a really beautiful experience uh, a few years ago, I was going into a, a convenience store and there was a couple of people in line in front of me and I was just standing there and I had meditated uh, before I went in and I actually had done a class that morning. And so I was in a really good space and there was a Beatles song. There was a Beatles song on playing on the radio. And uh, so when I got up, <clears throat> when I got up to the cashier, you know, uh, you know, as I was standing there waiting, you know, I just kind of thought there's this, you know, there's this little old lady sitting behind this counter, you know, who's going to take my money. Right. <clears throat> but then, you know, I'm listening to the song. And when I get up there, I go, Oh, I love the Beatles. And she goes, Oh, you like the Beatles. She goes, I love the Beatles. She said, you know, when I was 16, 
George Harrison played at the Cow Palace, uh, this big concert hall, and there were no chairs, so everybody sat on the floor back in those days. And uh, so my friends had saved us a place right up there near the stage. And so I was working my way through the crowd to get up there and I stumbled and fell down in front of the stage. And she said, George Harrison saw me fall and he stopped playing and he stepped down and helped me up. And then after he helped me up, then he just started playing again. <laughs> and it was just really beautiful. And I would not have had that experience if I would have been in that busy brainwave state, you know, right. where we're always behind and we're always rushing, you know, and everything's a crisis and everything's the end of the world, you know. <laughs> yes. I Well, I, I love the fact that uh, you're giving us a different perspective of how we can be um, and how, um, this the shutdown period allowed us to uh, work through our fear of death, if we had it, and our persona. If our identity was um, was with our work, then we had to work on our identity <laughs> without the work, or what it would look like with new work. <laughs> so, so you know, I I think that in as um, in hindsight, it will be wonderful. But I don't. Well, I think. Well, I think another. Anybody, you, really. You know, another thing that came out of the pandemic, you know, as I'm looking back, is uh, we all just realized how much we enjoy being around other human beings because we were denied that. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And man, I remember when it, when it, when things first started lifting and opening back up again, people were just giddy. You know, <laughs> when I'd see people at the stores, they were just giddy to be hanging around with other people. Everybody had their real closeness. Now uh, there was kind of a post-traumatic stress thing that came out of that as well. And so then over time I started seeing that start to rear its head. I actually saw we, me and my wife, we almost saw a couple of fistfights in parking lots. You know, it's like, I, I'm a real observer of society. Yeah, and a part of it's, I guess, teaching mind body stuff. And I was a sociology major too in, in school. But anyway, uh, uh, so, I, so I'm always just kind of watching the vibe of the society. And so I saw that giddiness where people were just so happy to be with each other. But then the post-traumatic stress of what we went through came through and then people, and then we went through that wave. Uh, but now I think, but I do think that that, you know, that realization of how, just how sacred other people are in our lives, you know, just any strangers, everybody, you know, everybody that we run into. I think that was a good thing that came out of that. Yeah. I, I think there we'll find so many things. It woke a lot of people up. It got a lot of people out of, off of the news and got people to actually question. A lot of people call this um, reality we're in is an inverted matrix where you can't figure out what's right and what's wrong, what's true, what's not true. And mm -hmm. so, um, so that's, that's actually been a good thing uh, yeah. because uh, it, it allows us to co-create with the universe at a really high level um, once we, once we decide to. So well, I think that, I think that was one of the things, you know, that I was talking about, about the uh, uh, losing false idols, <clears throat> because I think what, you know, looking back on it, I think what we did, was, uh, you know, we just kind of grew up thinking that uh, Walter Cronkite's going to figure everything out. That's right. And I can just leave everything up to Walker, Walter Cronkite, you know, and then eventually it became Wolf Blitzer or Rachel Maddow or Sean Hannity or, you know what I'm saying? The list just goes on and on and on. But but we started to realize, uh, you know, it was like the $20,000 suits and the $200,000 sets really made us feel like there was real wisdom being offered from that or you know or from the chambers of government or whatever or the, the same thing with government you figured they had more data 
but yes. they realize that they have more data, but they probably haven't read any of it and they hardly mm -hmm. show up for, for voting. And well, it's all about follow the money. Yeah. And all of a sudden you go, uh oh, this is just well, a different form of feudalism. I thought we were. Yeah, we've, well, we've actually seen we've actually seen legislation where uh, the legislation, the wording of the legislation was exactly the same as the memo that the representatives got from some corporation that was lobbying them. I know that's horrible. Yeah. And so but I think that's all of them, you know, the mass awakening. And uh, and so I feel like we're in the midst of a huge global awakening. And uh, 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 and so what we're trying to do with the mind body stuff is to facilitate that because because, the, you know, pe people are letting go of their false idols and they're looking for, you know, a, a, an ability to return to that kind of core central place. And it's the same place we were when we were really young children. You know, when we weren't frightened of the world and everything was possible yes. and everything was shiny and everything was interesting. And that's that's what the mind body stuff does. Is it leads us back to that place. And then the threads will lead us to information and truth. But it won't be the old establishment. So all the old establishments are falling apart. Now, for people that I know that are gripping onto the old establishments that want to believe in the structures and things and people that aren't real, uh, it's her, it's a horrific experience for them. But what I keep telling them is if you just let go, if you just let go of all that and just understand that structures have to fall apart when they're not functioning correctly. And then there's space and just and, and then, you know, and if you practice the mind body, you get into that safe space and, and you realize that the universe is really quite safe. And that's where, you know, the science has led me to just some extraordinary stuff. Uh, Adam Curie, uh, he was in the pair labs at Princeton and uh, he talked about an unpublished study that they did. And so I got all this while we were collecting this for the new second edition of the Gospel of Science. Uh -huh. <clears throat> but then also we started a monthly discussion series. Uh, if you go to globaltransformationproject.org, you can register for the dis monthly discussion series. We bring scientists on. But anyway, Adam Curie, uh, 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 I, I became aware of him and his work at the Paralabs at Princeton uh, from a documentary that I saw, which is pretty, really fascinating documentary. It's called the uh, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Uh, Dr. Stephen Greer uh, yeah. produced it. And uh, uh, but anyway, in that, Adam Curie talks about an unpublished study that they did at Paralabs. And they had a square room and they put a random event generator controlled <clears throat> grow light in the center of it. So random event generator means it'll go to all four corners randomly. And if you look at it long enough, it's going to be 25% approximately in every corner because that's statistical odds. If you don't, if you didn't have st statistical odds, you wouldn't have any casinos in the world. There, there'll be no, no lights would be on in Vegas. <laughs> they have to have that. And so that's a reality. But what they, what they found was uh, they, they put a living plant in that square room in one of the corners. And, and what happened, and Adam Curie was like gleeful when he was talking about this, it was so beautiful. But he said that what, what they found was that the light disproportionately kept going back to the corner where the living plant was that needed the sustenance of that grow light. And, uh, you know, and again, like Roger Nelson said, he said that when uh, human minds come together in states of healing, compassion and connection, that's when the consciousness is the most powerful. And when we go into these states, that's when the body heals. That's when the DNA heals, the DNA expression, the immune function, you know, the heart, the lungs, the brain, everything, you know, and all this is backed up by mountains of science. The only reason that we're not hearing about all this science is because, and I, you know, I talk about this in my, in my Tai Chi and meditation classes almost every day, 
And that is the reason you don't hear about this stuff is because the only thing you're going to see on TV is what's going to make somebody billions of dollars. And Tai Chi and meditation teachers and organizations, they're not in it to make billions of dollars. They're in it to, to offer people something that will transform not only our lives, but our society as a whole and our whole planet right. and the future of humanity. And uh, so I tell them, you know, it's that's the only reason you're not hearing about it. It's not that this science isn't isn't world altering, you know, personally uh, on a health level, mental, emotional and physical health level, but also on a societal level and on an economic level. And uh, well, I, I think there is um, a push that's coming through with the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza mm -hmm. and um, Bruce Lipton and Greg Braden, where they're really putting more into the mind-body connection and mm -hmm. uh, getting people to meditate. So yeah. I, I think that um, this train can't be stopped. I really think that what you started years ago, 20 years ago, um, where you had the insight to to build this beautiful event, um, the World Tai Chi and Qigong Day event in April. It's April 29th this year. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think what you've started, it, it can't be stopped. We're waking up to a, a new reality. Well, we're, 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 we're moving into a new level that I think you'll find really exciting. <clears throat> so the culmination of all this science in the new second edition of Gospel of Science and then realizing that World Tai Chi Day had changed global consciousness. And, and that got into the book. Uh, so all that's in the book. And, and what it led to is this realization that uh, mind-body practice should be part of public education. Right. Uh, because it makes it, it dramatic. It significantly increases your IQ. When you practice these things, you get rid of all that mental clutter. You're able to think more clearly and they, and they can actually measure. It makes our IQ higher. It, inc it increases. It improves our GRE, re GRE reading score, our math proficiency skill, our verbal fluency, all the things that we want students to be able to do. It does. And so it's so it's when you look at this science, you think it's crazy that this stuff isn't already a core part of public education because we're trying to get kids to learn and, and learning all starts right here with the brain. And so uh, 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 what we're uh, so we launched the global transformation project global transformation project.org and everybody can go there and sign our petition and when we get a hundred thousand signatures what we're going to do is we're going to uh, approach every united nations mission on the planet now i know a lot of people you know when they hear U uh, un they think of the un bureaucracy and all the distortion and everything <clears throat> but we're not going to go through the bureaucracy <clears throat> we're going to take this to the people we're going to contact every individual un mission in every country on the planet and we know that we can do this because uh, in 2015 the un general assembly passed the resolution creating the international day of yoga and it was for the very same reasons that we're uh, pushing to get uh, mind body practice in public education it was for global harmony and global health and so that's the same science that uh, for this. And so, uh, uh, so you had mentioned Greg Braden, uh, Bruce Lipton, and Joe Dispenza, uh -huh. and there's uh, there's other ones. Russell Brand, uh, yeah. uh, uh, John Cabot Zinn. What we're doing is we're reaching out. If any if any of those folks or anybody that has connections with those folks is listening to this, reach out to them and get them to go to the Global globaltransformationproject.org globaltransformationproject.org, because we uh, what we're seeking to do is to build an unprecedented global mind-body coalition. 
getting all these people to get people to sign this petition. Really, what we want to do is we want to take millions of signatures to these United Nations missions and get this thing passed. Now, it wouldn't uh, we've written this very carefully. It wouldn't be mandatory. What it, what it is, is to use the UN as a vehicle to educate public educators all over the planet about what these things can do for their students. And from our experience, if they read the science, they're going to want to do it. And so no country would have to participate in this, even if they voted for it, they wouldn't have to participate in it. No school would have to participate in it and no student would have to participate in it because over these uh, last 40 years, we've taught in prisons, public schools, all kinds of situations. And anytime there's a captive audience, uh, we always say there has to be an opt out. So the student has to be able to go to a study hall or something if they don't want to do it. Okay. Now, having said that, no, but hardly anybody ever opts out. Right. And the ones that opt out are really sorry they did when they come back into the class because everybody in the class is like, wow, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, so it's a real pleasant experience. You right. know? They all enjoy it and they all get great benefit from it. Bullying rates go down. And what this would do, if we could get this into public education, it would save the planet trillions of dollars, not just once, every year year after year after year. This is all solid science. Go to globaltransformationproject.org and see all the science. And uh, it, it, the reduction in uh, health costs and social costs is profound. And so, and, 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 and there's also research now that uh, over, over the last uh, 30 years or so that shows when you get 1% of a, of a city's population to go into high level meditation, it, it brings down the violent crime rates by as much as like 25%. Just one percent, just one percent change in the brainwaves of the whole culture. And so imagine there's like one one point two billion public school children on the planet right now. Oh. Imagine if one point two billion more human minds were going into this alpha state on a daily basis, because what we're suggesting is an hour a day. It'd be like a hybrid of P.E. health science. Mm -hmm. Every kid would be learning yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, meditation and mindfulness because they all have massive science. You'll see at the website. And uh, and so then we'd be educating kids at a whole higher level. It'd be a paradigm shift for education. But at the same time, we'd be saving future health costs and future social costs. The prison population would start to empty. Uh, and then the other thing that happens, too, is when we go into these states, it increases the size of the empathy and compassion parts of the brain. And then those brains are rippling this out through the global psyche. Mm -hmm. And we know that uh, we, we, the science shows that that would change the psyche of the whole planet. We would have a more compassionate, empathetic planet. And if we had greater empathy for other nations, uh, wars would, would stop happening. Because yeah. the reason wars happen is because countries won't hear what the other country is trying to say. You know, if the other country is trying to say, look, that scares us. You can't put that missile right there pointed at us. That scares us. You have you can't do that. We we don't do that to you. We don't point. We don't put a missile right on your border and point it right at you, right? right. But you have to have empathy. Uh, that's the only way you can negotiate. You know, and the only alternative to no, neg not negotiating is war. That's the and, and you know we, think, we just can't do that I anymore. Think there's a lot of people that are working towards education reform. So after this, I'll I'll connect you with some people too, that, that might be a good match with what you're doing, because we are going into the Aquarian age, and the Aquarian age is about love and peace, and we have to go from, do the inner work, because um, we're all in this together. This is not 
don't point well when you point a finger three fingers are back in. that's right that's right <laughs> so, so um bill can i show the slideshow real quick for you? yeah please do yeah i'll, I'll comment when people okay yeah you can put with any of them up i'll talk about them as well, they come i'm gonna in. put i i made them into a, a deck okay so i'll show you okay so here was what I used for the first. Oh yeah, and that's that's my granddaughter down there. Uh, that's her. That's her showing my son-in-law's mother how to do tai chi when she was like about four years old or something oh, like that. Oh, is that cool? Yeah, she's, I, I love she's, that picture. Yeah, I was I was showing her tai chi and I didn't think she was paying attention, you know, because like three, four-year-olds yeah. are bouncing all over the place. And then uh, she went on a trip to Alaska with her maternal grandparents and her, you know, of course, my daughter and her son, my son-in-law. Anyway, they all went fishing and she, she had to stay with my, her grandmother, her other grandmother. And her and she said, she said, Grammy, she said, I can show you how to do Tai Chi. And she started doing that. And she said, you breathe in, you breathe out. And so her uh, other her other grandmother took this photo and sent it to me. Isn't and so that, then I put it in here. Yeah. Isn't that great? Well, see, that's what I'm saying is that it is innate. Once you start doing some of this stuff, it's it feels good because it's almost a remembering. Yeah, kids resonate. Kids resonate to it. They resonate to it. This is not a hard lift. And what World Tai Chi and Qigong Day taught us personally is that uh, mind body teachers are in every country, in in every major city around the planet. So it's all in place. Right. Uh, you know, it's like since the Beatles went to meditate with Maharishi, meditation started spreading. And then people from China and India came and spread it and spread it and spread it. And now we're at a place where mind body teachers are all over the planet. We have the science. All we got to do is take them into public schools. Right, right. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So this is the first slide. Yes, that's World Tai Chi Day. Uh, and this was the in 2007, they were ob uh, observed during the 24 hour period. And you see this zero line in the middle. That is where that's where the statistical odds are, because what this is, is like an electronic coin flipper. Uh, these computers around the planet are flipping a coin 200 times per second. And so like like Vegas, you know, they would know they, it might diverge a little, but it's going to stay around that zero line. But then what happens, they found, is that when groups of people go into coherent states of consciousness together, it sets it off. So you see it's starting to go off towards the bottom <clears throat> in the early hours. So this is when World Tai Chi Day is starting in Australia and Asia. But then at about 10 a.m., that's when it hit. And uh, see, at that time, most of the World Tai Chi and Qigong Day events were in uh, Europe and uh, North and South America. And so here you see it just taken off like a rocket up towards the upper right corner. And that that was really uh, 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 Dr. Nelson from Princeton. Uh, when he was explaining this, he said that was that that was like a huge indication when it started going up off like that. And so this shows that when we go into these coherent states of consciousness, it spreads that coherence through the whole population. And I uh, did a presentation at Princeton or not Princeton, Folsom Prison <laughs> many years ago. And uh, uh, and one of the inmates had been keeping statistics. They'd had a meditation Tai Chi Chuck program there for two years. During that two years, in, uh, behavior rates had improved, not just for the, you know, 50 or 60 people in the Tai Chi Chug group, but for the whole prison at Princeton. Uh, I mean, <laughs> at, wow. Folsom, at Folsom. So um, so is the blue line your, your the content or is it the red? Yeah. Uh, what, okay. What the blue line represents is the, prob the probability score. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So that's how much it, ve uh, so what P uh, equals 0 0.05 means 
these these physicists explained they helped me with this when I was writing the book. I didn't understand all this. Uh, but what it means is the uh, percentage of chances that it could have happened by random chance. Oh, okay. And so uh, what this P05 means is there was a one in 20 chance that this could have been random. So 19 out of 20 chance that it, that we affected global consciousness. I and I always tell any doubters, if Vegas had a, had a blackjack table that gave you 19 to, uh, 19 to 1 odds that you were going to win, people would spend their whole lives waiting in lines to get that blackjack <laughs> table. But, but what happened is when they started looking at all the things, when they started looking at uh, uh, World Yoga Day, P World Peace Meditation Day, and then they put all that data together, the more data they looked at, the, the stronger the P-score got. Now, that wouldn't be true if it was random. If these things were random, it would go the other way. Yeah. Uh, but it gets to the point where when they look at all the data on this stuff, uh, one of the researchers said that you would have to spend a thousand lifetimes counting to get to the number of possibility that their data was chance. Wow. A thousand lifetimes of counting. To, yeah. that's, that's, that's how that's slim the possibility how... is that this stuff is just chance. Okay. Okay. So, so um, the other thing I want to say is that it, you can see the bill, you know, it had to go, the, it's an energy wave, right? So, yes. so it had to build to get here, right? So each, yeah, yeah, each one is different in how they do it. But what shows them that we, that we created a greater coherence is the, di the divergence away from the zero line. So like, for example, uh, for, for world, See, for Tai Chi and Qigong, <clears throat> there's this thing that you experience where you kind of you, you let go into the flow or the meditation and it doesn't happen instantly. It kind of takes it a little while and then it takes off, you know, and then, oh, then you drift into it. Uh, so that was our experience. But for World Yoga Day, it was more kind of it kind of went up and then went down. Uh, but they had the same. I think they had the same P score for World Yoga Day as P05. Uh, but it was a different it was a different departure from the norm. Okay. And then uh, and then there was a world peace meditation day and theirs just went up and up and off like that. And uh, but they were all similar divergences. So from a scientific perspective, it wasn't they weren't different from each other. But you can see differences in the way that it expresses the divergence. They call it divergence from norm. OK. OK. So I'm going to go to the next one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. See, there's a uh, world yoga day. And so, see, this one's different, but it still has the divergence. So right. ours diverged down and up, and there's. So, so what I had mentioned to you before too is that how chaotic our environment is right now, mm -hmm. and what what this allows you to do is focus. And um, so you can see that it may not be as easy. The first one's 2007. This is 2015. And we're just being with the internet and and knowing about every terrible thing or I mean that's what the news is is yeah. every terrible thing that happens everywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, that it's harder to is it harder to do it now? Well, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, c coming through the pandemic, you know, st people are still you know in the lockdowns, people are dealing with a lot of stuff, uh, but uh, it's <clears throat> from my local classes. Uh, the perception that I get is that people are a lot more hungry to try to find center. Uh, but it is very challenging. It is very challenging for people to meditate. So the way that I always approach it is I always tell people, you just play at this. You know, just look at it like a, a game to play and let it, you know, you know, when you catch yourself stressing out, just play with that, you know, taking in a big breath 
and just letting you, then just letting your brain and your body just sigh and drift. And then when you open your eyes, just look how beautiful the sky is and feel how beautiful it feels to feel yourself breathe and feel your shoulders relax. And, you know, so just you, you know, doing that. And so I feel like we're, you know, it's, it's like that, you know, the Chinese word for crisis uh, is made of two characters. One is danger and one is opportunity. So the, the danger side of what we're going through is that, yeah, there is a lot of stress and a lot of turmoil. And like I said, part of that is all the false idols are falling apart. The positive side of it is that people, people are starting to try to find reality, you know, trying to find a, a deeper truth. Because there was a time when I used to watch those shiny, sparkly commercials on TV. And I thought that was reality. I thought, yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to, you know, work real smart and I'm supposed to own one of those cars. And then I'll probably have a girl that looks like that girl sitting in the passenger seat on that in that car yeah, yeah. with the shiny diamonds on, you know, and, you know, and I just thought that was all real. And, you know, but when you when you really get centered and you start to really pay attention to what's real, you no, know, what's real is just how sacred that person is, like Kathy Mason that I'm talking to right now. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It yeah. just all the, all the veils fall away. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that there is a um, a beautiful symphony of um, energies that are running that are natural to our environment that we can be in harmony with. Where mm -hmm. whereas the other is an overlay that isn't necessarily in harmony at all mm -hmm. with nature. And I mean, there that's what the the ancients knew. They knew how to work with how this whole uh, invisible <laughs> yeah. works. And um, hopefully that's what we're going back to. So yeah, and, 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 going, and getting back into nature is really important too. Uh, yeah. Harvard's actually done research on this. They call it nature therapy. So yeah, spending time in nature. And then when we go into, when we go into a meditative state, that, that's connecting with nature because we're nature. And so when we let go, you know, let go, let go, let go, just feel things, feel breath, feel letting go. And, you know, practice that 20, 30 minutes a day and you can learn counting meditations. There's a ton of stuff on YouTube. But, uh, you know, one of the things just real quick is the other thing I would recommend in my classes is get away from corporate media, especially corporate news, because it's all fear based. And, and I get into this in the new second edition of the Gospel of Science. I have a section towards the back. Uh, most of the books about mind, body, science and the promise uh, and the incredible promise of all this stuff once we you know, get everybody to realize that it's uh, about, that the science exists, but getting away from that, uh, that fear based media, uh, you know, and, and trying to find information based media and YouTube's great for this, you know, just like programs like yours. Uh, it's, you know, they can change our lives. And so, yeah, getting away from that fear based media, it doesn't teach you anything. I went, I went to see Ram Das uh, at the Disneyland hotel <laughs> decades ago. And, uh, and he, he encouraged everybody to take media vacations. He said, you know, if you know, he said, if you if, if you turn on the news once a week, you're going to be completely caught up because they go over the same thing over and over and over again. You know, especially corporate media. You know, that's all they, that's all they do. They just rehash the same points over and over and over sure. again. But you can use YouTube and you can find really interesting things about consciousness and mind body and also, you know, how the world works. But you don't get it out of that little tiny squeezed perspective. Right. Uh, right. Well, th this is um, hopefully people are aware now that they don't, they have choices mm -hmm. before. I think they were just robotically um, on their phone doing their stuff and they really weren't aware of the bigger picture and what yeah. you're offering with everything you do 
um, is an opportunity to experience life more fully, enjoy the ride, co-create with the universe at a high level. I highly recommend this book. I highly recommend you check out Global transformationproject.org. I've been sharing it. And World Tai Chi Day is April 29th um, this year. And if you go to worldtaichiday.org, you can read more about it. And also, Bill, is that, are those the two best ways? Because uh, we, we're yeah. uh, going to, we have to wrap up here. Um, yeah. I yeah. Those are the those are the two best sites, globaltransformationproject.org and worldtaichiday.org. And you can contact us through that. But I just wanted to mention real quick in this book, uh, you know, if anybody's dealing with any chronic health issues or challenges, you know, and it could be mental, emotional, physical, whatever, read this book because uh, not only will it explain the science on the mind-body practices and how they can help your particular condition, but it'll also give you this tremendously positive vision of the future. And the science shows that uh, our vision of future possibility is the biggest indicator of what our future possibility is going to be, you know, health and personal well-being. So having a positive vision of what's possible, and this is all science-based, all this book, it's not my philosophy. It's, it's all science that I've collected for 40 years that shows a really beautiful, magical, positive future that is just so tangible and so achievable. And a big part of it, what makes it happen is as many of us as possible just letting go of the prison of our consciousness and all this science will help you do that. And, and, and it, it, it changed me reading all this science over and over again. It changed me up. It brought my practice to a whole different level. And the way that I look at the world and everything is just so much more positive and hopeful. And it'll, this book will do that for you too. And then I hope you'll share it, spread it with other people because if we need to change the psyche and the vision of the future, and, and that's what these 40 years of research science and, yeah. and this book does. It's a remarkable book. I lent it to somebody. I haven't gotten it back. So. <laughs> well, everybody, everybody that's, anybody that's read it, please go to Amazon and Goodreads and write a review because I had, I was doing an interview a few months ago and a lady came on. She said, Bill, she goes, that's the most important book I've ever read in my life. Right. And I said, oh, God, thank you so much for telling me that. I said, would you go to Amazon and write a review? That's been months. She never wrote the review. Oh. If I read a book that's the most important book in my life, I'm going to write a review. <laughs> I, will write, I will write a lot of reviews about it. Yeah. Well, you know, people, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're in a time of huge change and you can really look to uh, the truth tellers, the people that are showing you the way they're lighting the, they're using the light in the tunnel uh, to the next level. And Bill is, Bill Douglas is one of those uh, visionaries that I just hope that you follow his work and uh, put energy and love towards his work because you'll see this is the journey that um, we signed up to be on right now. And there's so many ways that you can serve. You can just be an observer and watch it, but you can also without having to fight for anything, you can just be a, a, uh, a uh, positive um, support energetically and financially towards these different changes that um, you'll see it's happening. I, I'm getting chills. It's happening. Yeah. It's yeah, happening. Every, every time you meditate, you're changing the future of humanity. 
And, and, and we can definitely use donations at globaltransformationproject.org. World Tai Chi Day, Global Transformation Project, we've paid for all these with volunteers and out of our own pocket. We've never asked anybody for, you know, any uh, 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 membership fees or anything because we wanted it to just grow just as fast as it could. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, but donations would really help us expedite this. And it's going to be expensive when we start contacting all the UN missions in the world. You know, yeah. postage, postage, international postage is yeah. pretty expensive. Well, I, I'm afraid we have to go. We're over time. So, but thanks, Bill. We'll, we'll do this again. Thank you. I got to talk to you last year. Let's not make it so long. Yeah. <laughs> Time to talk. Well, I love, I love your show. I love talking to you because yeah. you just have this just curiosity and open mindedness, and, and and it's really. I, well, I, I personally find it, you know, just kind of healing being on your oh, show. Oh, thank you. Well, I really want people to realize how powerful they are and that they have um, the opportunity to really create a life worth living. And, and the mainstream they, and the mainstream, the mainstream culture, it, it makes us feel small and insignificant. Write down your experiences, write down your views, write down your visions, write down your hopes, you know, all these things, you know, honor, honor who you are, because God knows where it'll take you. Yes. Well, it, this, we're, we're magical co-creators. That's the whole reason we're here. So play with it. Have some fun. Don't don't feel like you're a victim of everything. See the opportunity and change and and um, see how you can ride the wave on top with a surfboard rather than be drowned inside the wave, <laughs> trying to fight it, Get, ride it and have some fun. So thank you, everyone. And, and please share this if you feel this will help others. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel and go look at this on Roku TV and Amazon Fire TV. Thank you all. Bye -bye. Thank you, Kathy.